This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. This is the all-new Blitz 1170. Thank you for choosing us. So earlier today, Matt, I tweeted out a photo of Dan Hawk's shoes because I was amazed when I saw them. One, I didn't even know they made shoes like that. Not great. And the reviews as well on social media have not been great. Dan just said to me as he walked out the door, so you mean when I come back from my honeymoon, you expect me to have better shoes? And I said, Dan... You could wrap your feet in Walmart bags and they would qualify as better shoes than what those are. He could wrap his feet in empty Wonder Bread bags and they would still look better. Dan could. We so growing up, we would crush beer cans to take them to the recycler to have like a little pocket money, right? Yeah. And you would step on a beer can and it would form that little form around the bottom of your foot. And we'd walk around and do stupid dances with them on the sidewalk. Like Dan could wrap his foot around a Coors Light can right now and it'd be a better shoe than what, <laughs> what he has on right now. It's awful. I, awful. Se- I sent it to Dean, so hopefully he can weigh in here. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dean knows. And it's not even about an age. You're as old as what you feel. You, but you don't. Like, Dan is a shuffleboard game away in those shoes from keeling over, is, is how I feel. He's going to hurt his hip. What's up, Dean? How are you, buddy? I'll say this. I like the shoes. I think they're Oh, come <laughs> on, Dean. There's no way that you like those shoes. Hey, you know, you guys were talking like he was walking around in a rad pair of shoes that you see down on a South Florida retirement home. I can see a guy Dan's age wearing shoes like that. But wait a minute. Like, I'm older than Dan, and I would never be caught dead in those. <laughs> never be caught dead? Oh, that sounds like an over-exaggeration. I, I would uh, – I told Dan that there's a – I'd rather wear Crocs out than, than be caught in those New Balance shoes that he has on. <laughs> and by hey, the way, I'll say who, whoever called him out on, on Twitter – was 100% correct because Dan admitted he just went to newbalance.com and saw the first pair and clicked buy on them, so he didn't even put effort into it. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I think if there's one person that would wear Crocs unapologetically out in public, it's your little co-host, Matt Hubbard. Oh, no. Matt. I don't own a pair of Crocs. Oh, and listen to how he no, referred to you. No, that's a Matt shoe. That's a Matt shoe if I've ever seen one. Yeah, he's right, though. Like, if, if there was a patient zero for wearing, like, dumb shoes like Crocs, I would also point at me. Let no. me know when your tulips are ready, Nana. Let, <laughs> let, let, let me know when you have to wash them off of the garden hose from your exploits outside in the yard. Did you pull all the weeds out of your garden too, Matt? 
While you're wearing those? I didn't think about how useful that would be. <laughs> yeah. so you, you guys are going to convince me to buy a pair of Crocs, and I'm going to have to put them in sport mode whenever I go up the stairs. I will tell you that the minute that I see Crocs on your feet here, you are officially suspended <laughs> from the radio station. <laughs> until, like, until they're gone? Yes, until they are gone, for like, sure. Like, I'll go upstairs and change into the gym shoes, then. Uh, all right, let's talk Oklahoma State uh, with Dean Rule, who's joining us here on the Blitz 1170 from the Tulsa World. Uh, I know it's early on in this process, but what's been the overall theme that you've noticed, Dean, from uh, Cowboys spring football here in the early stages? I said this. I recorded my podcast today, um, and I said this. I think Mike Gundy is in a rare good mood, and I think you don't get good mood Mike Gundy if he's worried about a team. Um, you know, and, and I implore everybody to go. Bill Haston, our columnist, wrote a, a great piece on this yesterday. So anybody who kind of wants to delve a little more into this topic, I think, should uh, should go check out what he wrote. But whenever Mike Gundy kind of gets put in a corner, or I don't want to say expectations are low, but I want to say where maybe it's kind of a make-or-break moment for the program, the Cowboys have always kind of found a way. And uh, they've rebuilt this team through the transfer portal. Mike Gundy said uh, – you know, he was wrong about this. He thought the transfer portal would kind of die down in the coming years, but if anything, it's gotten more important, more bigger. It's gotten bigger. And uh, Cowboys went out. They they attacked it. And obviously it's still March. We're a long way away from a regular season football game. But he's talking with some confidence, and, and I don't think it's misguided from him. Um, I think he truly believes that, that they've kind of put together a team that, could maybe do something. And I know months ago we talked about on this show, we talked about the schedule and how their schedule kind of favors them. I think clearly you need to see a bit more. There's still some super important positions that are not decided yet, but there's a sense of confidence in a program that two months ago had none. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I'm having, I guess, a difficult time with me. And whether or not that that is, he is, he's uh, more comfortable with the, with the team that he feels like that he has coming back, or if this is a, another version in the Mike Gundy coaching, um, in the Mike Gundy coaching career, I feel like that Mike Gundy, he's been there at Oklahoma State for so long that he's been on. This is like his third or fourth version. And is is that Mike Gundy just at a point now where more than ever before he's comfortable with just his being at Oklahoma State and no matter what what level of, of quality of team that they have coming back that he knows that he's going to be okay because uh, of of what his tenure at Oklahoma State's been or is it the fact that he feels like this this team is going to be better or maybe even a combination of both? You know, I think right now in March, I think you could say it's a combination of both. There, there's obviously going to be a level of comfortability when when you're going into your 19th season as a head coach at a program I mean you know we we can go uh eight hours up up north and and look at Iowa and and Kirk Ferentz and he's been there whatever 26 years or something crazy he's obviously comfortable in that program and that program caught a ton of heat this past year for its offense and I think you – I'm not saying there's confidence in the program because this is going to be a 12-win team. I'm not saying that. I think w- w- the confidence comes from when, when we looked at this team back in January and, and starters were hitting the portal and people were questioning what's going on and you might have said, hey, I don't even know if they're going to make a bowl game this year. I, I think that 
they put this together to where they're confident, hey, they're going to keep the standard of, hey, let's get to a bowl game. Let's get to a, a good bowl game. You know, I, the guaranteed rate bowl is obviously not the standard that fans want to see nor the standard that they want to see. Um, but I think, yes, him being comfortable in that program, this being year 19, I think that does factor in 100% to, to the point you're making. I think that's 100% true that there's, you're going to have a, a level of comfortability. And what you do with that comfortability is, is always interesting because you could say, oh, I'm comfortable. We can just kind of go through the motions, win six or seven games, and I'm not going to be fired. Or you can say, hey, I've got this this long leash. Let's try some things out. Let's experiment. And I think you see that sometimes with, you know, Hey, they just hired Brian Nardo, this 37-year-old defensive coordinator that nobody knows about, nobody knew about two months ago, and there's an experiment going on. But then you can also – there could be some going through the motions, I think, as well. I also feel that his comments when talking about being like the underdog with the type of season that they had, I truly feel like that that is where Gundy kind of relishes – when his team is viewed as an underdog, you had mentioned at the top of this somewhat of a chip on his shoulder um, going into this season from the number of players that they lost. He must feel very comfortable with the type of players that he's been able to replace. And I do think that he has unearthed a few gems out of the transfer portal that are going to help. But Gundy, to me, kind of relishes the role of having the chip on the shoulder. I'm doing something that no one thinks that we can and also that we're the underdog. It seems to be, he said it's kind of the Oklahoma State experience, which is the underdog, but I really feel like that he's the type that thrives in that role. Yeah, I think he, I agree. I think he he relishes that role. He enjoys being in it. Um, I always wonder to what level are we allowed to consider Oklahoma State an underdog because of the success they've had under Mike Gundy and you know this, this is like I'm sure you saw this way back in national championship game that that little pregame speech uh, Kirby Smart was giving in the Georgia locker room about how they were underdogs and all that you know, <laughs> every, every coach thinks they're an underdog you know yes. I don't care if you just won 26 straight games or whatever Georgia's on um, Matt probably knows he's a big Georgia guy but Dude. regardless Every every role, every coach loves that role. Um, you know, uh, it's hard to it's hard for me to say. Oh, Oklahoma State's a true underdog. Nobody ever talks about them. You know, this is a team that's made 17 consecutive bowl games. Like, let's not let's not run away with this idea just yet. But with where expectations ended, where the season, the expectations when the season ended you can maybe kind of paint that picture of, hey, people are kind of counting us out. Yeah, and Mike's example yesterday that he used was on the preseason basketball polls. And he his quote yeah. was, it's just like no matter what happens next year, Duke and Kentucky are going to be ranked pretty high in the preseason basketball poll. Um, he also just picked out two blue bloods at the top of the list when it comes to college basketball. The, you could also use an example here in football. It doesn't matter what happens with Texas. Uh, even if they win five games or four games, chances are you're going to find them ranked in the top 25. I'm with you. I think it's a matter of context uh, of how you look at that. Maybe from the top 25, yes. But if you're just talking about in terms of competing within the Big 12 Conference, like you know better than that in terms of being an underdog with Oklahoma State just in conference play. Top 25, I'll listen to that. 
But conference wise, yeah, I'm kind of I kind of lean the direction that you do with whether or not that you are allowed to have a chip on your shoulder or uh, to be in an underdog's role. Let's also let's also talk about this. I mean, in August when the AP Top 25 preseason poll releases for football, and if you went up to any of those coaches, if you go up to any Division One coach in the country and say, "Hey, what do you think about your team being ranked 17th?" They're going to tell you they don't give a crap if their team's not ranked. They say they don't give a crap. I mean, I, I don't think the the preseason ranking we can say since you didn't make that you're an underdog. Yeah, yeah. The the preseason ranking is is a joke in its own right. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I I do find how Mike Gundy's approach has been so far this year to be a, a little bit uh, of a more joyous occasion from him. It seems to be much more relaxed than what I would have thought that it would have been at some time. And I think more than anything, the further that you get away from a disappointing year, right, with the players that they brought in, I mean, we we can talk about what's who's the, the Kirkland kid, right, who everyone seems to love so far, that everyone thinks is going to be really good, to the guys that they brought in from the portal that he's talked about. He feels comfortable that they were able to go and get a lot of good quality players, and especially with the recruiting class, that they're going to be fine, which plays a significant role to me in how he views this team right now. Yeah, 100%. Um, I also think spring is the occasion to be excited and optimistic about the team. I don't know any coach that comes out of – at a spring press conference and says, I'm not excited for next season. Uh, so real, realistically, I think you look at it and spring's always the, 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 the purpose of spring is to be optimistic about what your team, because it's all about potential. It's what potential does our team have? And, and everybody's going to be happy about their potential. But until you get out there in September and start playing games, you don't fully know. Um, r- regardless, I think, Mike Gundy, because he's been there 19 years, it gives us this huge sample size to look at of, of what he's done and done with teams like this. And it, if anything, you know, he's always been able to put out a strong product on the field, uh, something that, you know, wins six or seven games at least. Sometimes they go out and they win 12 games. So, you know, every once in a while they go out and they do something crazy and, and uh, attention grabbing, but, Regardless, I don't think that the, there should be fear that like this team's only winning four games. I don't think it should. It's quite there yet. But I'm not saying let's crown them double-digit win, a double-digit win team just yet. Uh, from a player perspective, uh, I did see where we got to hear a little bit from Brennan Presley, um, and about you know everything that happened with the rocky season that he had. Um, also, too, with his with his brother leaving as well. The receiver position is one that is of interest to me, uh, and he even talked about it with guys like Arlen Bruce that are coming in, um, guys that they are that they need to have continue to step up uh, from that capacity. Receiver is an interesting, I think, position overall for Oklahoma State. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's going to be incredibly interesting because you lost a lot of but they brought in some guys that I think could they brought in I think this is um, similar across all the positions they brought in guys in the portal that are plug and play potential you can just bring them in you spend a spring and then you're in the starting lineup come September Um, one of whom strictly speaking of wide receivers that I think could be something special next year is uh, Deshaun Stribling 
He transferred in from Washington State. He's kind of the exact same build as Tay Martin, a tall. He's got a little more, a little more weight on him. I think he's got he outweighs Tay Martin by 20 pounds. He's a guy that you just kind of watch playing, just kind of talking with some people in the program. He's somebody that has the potential, I think, to be something special for for OSU. He's, he's about six three, two hundred pounds. They lost Braden Johnson. He, he uh, exhausted his eligibility. I think Deshaun Stribling could really fit perfect into what Braden Johnson did last year. How have those receivers talked about the quarterback so far? Yeah, so everybody's still kind of tight-lipped. I don't think they want to give away quite. Nobody wants to give away quite what a depth chart looks like there. Um, obviously, regardless, the, nobody's going to be Spencer Sanders in terms of mobility. Nobody's going to be able to take off and run have that dual threat that Spencer Sanders was get a lot of pocket passes like Alan Bowman and Garrett Rangel. Everybody, you know, everybody's got something great to say about all the quarterbacks. It's it's hard to kind of put a pecking order together of who's where and, and just watching a little bit of practice the past two weeks. It's it's really hard to put it all together, but everybody's excited about them. Um, quarterbacks, it's, they're keeping it tight lipped. I think it's hard to kind of gauge who's where and, and all that, but no, I mean, the feedback's been positive for them. What about on the defensive side of the ball? What storylines um, should get highlighted here in the early stages of spring? I mean, clearly with, you know, Nardo coming in and maybe whatever his version or transition is uh, to the style of defense uh, that they want to play here, but from an individual standpoint, who who needs to be highlighted the most here during spring? Is it kind of what how they've matured as as a position wise at at cornerback? Uh, what what are areas that that we're leaving out right now on the defensive side? Well, one hundred percent. I think you can just look at the linebacker core and what that's going to look like because you're taking Colin Oliver off the defensive line and moving him back to linebacker, which is what he played in high school at Edmond Santa Fe. And then you've got Justin Wright, who comes from Tulsa, uh, redshirt senior, talented guy, did a lot at TU. Now what's he going to do at uh, OSU? And he's going to kind of be – because they're going away from the 4-2-5. They're now going to a 3-3-5 defense. So instead of two linebackers, you're going to have three. Justin Wright is the quintessential middle linebacker. I think he's going to strive there. He's one of those, as I said earlier, plug-and-play guys who – you pull him out of another school, you throw him right into your starting lineup. That's uh, that's what Justin Wright's going to be. And then Colin Oliver, he, he's cut a little weight. He's such a versatile piece on this defense that it's going to give him the option to play a little four down mixed in with a three down, and he can be in that second level on the line. He's going to be an interesting piece. And then they've got Xavier Benson who's coming back, who, who is an interesting prospect uh, for the Cowboys. He'll be on the – I would assume if the season started tomorrow, he would be the, the third linebacker. But also, they've got a lot of young guys uh, like Jeff Roberson. I think he could be – he's a name I'd watch out for because I think he could be something special for OSU this year in the linebacker room. Uh, but how that all works out is is something I'd, I've, I'd pay attention to uh, over the spring. Yeah. I mean, it's still very early in all the process here. So to, to come up with any, you know, real determinations on anything right now, it's just about getting 
a, a very large amount of reps and getting as many people through those reps as you can right now during spring football for them. And as I was telling Matt earlier, typically the best thing about spring football is no news is good news because news means that someone got hurt and that's the last thing that you want right now. But Gundy said they're, they're able to, to run through quite a few reps right now with the numbers that they have. Yeah, I mean, 100%. No news is good news. I agree with you on that. In the spring, you, you just want to get through your reps, get everything flowing, gelling together a little bit so you can hit the ground running and, and someone fall. Here, here. Dean, I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for uh, tuning in. We'll check out that uh, podcast that you just fired up as well there at Tulsa World. And uh, always appreciate when you can jump on with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Dean Rule joining us here on the Blitz 1170 from the Tulsa world. All right, it's 220 here on the Blitz 1170. Live from the Ike Chili House studio, serving four generations of Tulsans since 1908. More to come here on the Blitz after this timeout. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.